Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. I had, we had somebody get healed online a couple weeks ago. It was pretty cool. Someone called in and said, when, you, when, when God was doing healing during worship, I was healed online. They said, they said I just, you, you said, lay hands on an area. And they laid hands on their hip that had been out and they had surgery and they couldn't walk anymore. And they touched, they laid hands on their hip and they began to be able to walk again fully, just online. Come on, your, your faith matters. This isn't me, this is us. Come on, we're in this together. And the faith of the house, the, the faith of what, what God's doing. After I, after I uh, told him we were preaching on miracles the rest of the year, he looked at me like with just blank face, like, oh God, what is that? What do I do for graphics, you know? <laughs> So we had a prayer meeting last week. We sat down in a room together and started praying and believing God. And, and uh, he, he came to me. He said, what if we do in October, the God of miracles in November, the house of miracles and in December, the season of miracles. It's like, that's the Lord. We're going to do that. And so I'm giving you a three month preview. I'm not supposed to do that. I'm breaking all the rules today in church planting. And uh, we're believing God for just a, 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 a a house of miracles, a heart of miracles. I don't know what kind of miracle you need today, but I hope you came expecting. And I hope that, that, that after this morning and after worship, your hearts just increase with a little bit more belief and a little more faith. I think the enemy's always trying to steal our faith. I think that's the battle over faith. And uh, Jesus said, I've prayed that your faith might not fail you. Uh, Jesus said, when I return to earth, will the son of man find faith on the earth? He's looking for faith when he comes back. And so as God's people, man, I want to see our faith rise up. Uh, we're in Galatians chapter four. We're going to jump in and um, I, uh, I'm going to read the scriptures to you, uh, 30 minutes to preach to you and um, believe God to really do a, a shift in your heart today, uh, in your identity and who you are and um, just settling in your heart and in your spirit, uh, what God has for you and what access you have to him. And uh, we've got she coming up Friday night. Come on, ladies. She is Friday night. Yep. Wow, that's a few of you. Come on, we, we need it. There's more ladies in here than that. Let me just say this. A lot of you've said, it's, it, a lot of you've asked, why is it $25 this time? And any, anyway, it, it is because y'all are going to get all kinds of awesome stuff. You're going to get all kinds of take-home stuff. We got special chefs coming for you. You're getting much better stuff than the dudes got, okay, ladies? Come on. And so, and, and, and listen, if you, can't, if you can't pay that or whatever, just see us. We, we don't let anybody miss anything because of money. We got you taken care of. So she is going to be awesome. Uh, Galatians chapter four, Paul is speaking to the Galatians who have gotten saved and they believed and uh, the Judaizers and some, some religious people came in and taught them that you need grace to get saved. That's good. Grace to get saved. But you need more than grace to continue and grow in salvation. That you, need, that you need more than just grace to grow into maturity, that you need these rules and the law and regulations to get mature, that grace saves you, but to mature you, you need the law. And Paul says, no. Paul says, that's not the case. And it's easy for us to get into law living. And so uh, you can go back chapter one, two, and three I've covered. And, and Paul's laying out the superiority of the gospel and the inferiority of the law. Paul lays out doctrinally, and then he starts in chapter four. He says this in verse one. He says, now, he says, now, now that I've laid out the superiority of the gospel and the inferiority of the law, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, 
though he is master of all. We talked about that a little last week. You can be in the house, you can be an heir, but, it, but if you're not of age, um, even though you're master of all or you stand to inherit all, uh, you are still a slave, but, but is under guardians and stewards, listen to this, until the time appointed by the Father. There's a time that the Father appoints. In Roman custom, this was a ceremony called the liberalia, and literally the, you would get a new garment when even though you were an heir, you were under tutors. We talked about that last week, but he's under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so we, Paul says, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Come on, look at somebody and say, you adopted anyway. You adopted. Come on, you know how it used to be a slur on your brothers or sisters. You adopted. In the kingdom, it's the highest pinnacle of Christianity that, that you would receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, sons and daughters, it's, it's both. Because you are sons and daughters, God has sent forth, listen to this, the spirit of his son, the, the spirit of his son, not just the Holy Spirit. He, he calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of his son here. He sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. The Spirit of God's Son is sent forth into our heart, crying out. The Spirit, it's not us crying out. In another place in Romans, we cry out. But at this place, the Spirit's crying out, Abba, Father. It's the most intimate name for Father. It's Dad God or Daddy God or Daddy Daddy. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Uh, title for today is Adopted as Sons adopted his sons. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you for your word. I pray today we'd have a mindset shift. We'd have a different perspective. We would um, go from uh, having an orphan spirit to having a, a, a sonship and a daughterhood spirit. I pray for every believer in this house, Lord, if they're, if they're an heir, that they would walk into, into that privilege and that benefit today, that we wouldn't leave here the same in Jesus' matchless name. Everybody said Amen. Amen. Adopted his sons. I, uh, I, I have three children. You guys know that. And uh, two, two amazing uh, young men, 19 years old and 17 years old. One's a senior. And then one amazing daughter who's 15 and uh, going on 16. I had to take her driving the other day. It was very scary. She, she wants a big truck. She can't even reach the pedal. She wants a big Ram truck to drive horses. She loves horses and all that. So she wants this giant Ram truck. And so my, my three kids are pretty old now, and, uh, but I remember the days where we'd go out to eat or we'd go have holiday meals, and, and my children were put at what? The kitty table. Come on, anybody remember the kitty table? Anybody got that cardboard table in your house? You pull out, it's the card table, and you fold out, and you put the kids, and all the kids would go to the kitty table. I remember uh, the kitty table for my children. I would put them at the kitty table, and I would pray to God that there'd be no fights, there'd be no, there'd be no, uh, you know, uh, food fights, no corn flying. It'd be Thanksgiving, and uh, I have family members that aren't saved. I remember my daughter one year telling all the cousins at the table that they were going to hell, and they, they. <laughs> 
I was, my daughter was like, you know, seven. I'm like, oh, Jesus, that's the, it's a different gospel. Okay. That's, it's true. They need Jesus, but we can present it a little different. It's the kindness of God that draws people to repentance, you know? And so, um, they're, they're asking questions and I got, you know, family members that are mad at me and, and, and you know, I'm constantly, when the kids are at the kitty table, you're constantly looking at them and over their shoulder, making sure they behave, that they, they act right. And they're not old enough to be in the adult conversation yet. They're not old enough to behave uh, well enough to sit at the, at the adult table. Some of you might put your kids at the adult table and, uh, you miserable, I know it. And so, um, uh, but we would put our kids at the kiddie table. And, and, and the reality is many Christians, many of us throughout our walk with God live from the place of the kiddie table. We, we think that we, we, don't, we don't deserve or we're not mature enough or we're not, we're not in the loop enough or we're not good enough or God doesn't want us in all of the, the big table talk that we can't get there. So we get relegated. We spend time in the kingdom relegated and listening in from the kiddie table. My, my son Levi, he would always want to know what was going on at the adult table. So he would always be leaning in and trying to figure out what was going on and eavesdropping on us and, and figuring out what we were saying. Somehow my kids can hear me from three stories away, but they can't hear me right when I'm in front of them. You know what I'm talking about? Like, how'd y'all hear that? You know? And, and so he's listening in and, and many of us, when it comes to Jesus and God, we, we, we think that we have to like lean in and we have to listen, but God keeps us away from all the things that he has. Paul says, no. In verse one, he says, now, now that I've laid out the superiority of the gospel, the inferiority of the law, let us unpack all of our legal rights in Christ. Let me get into some stuff that you legally own, who you legally are in Jesus. He's saying this verse one, now let us relate to Jesus. Now let us know who we are as, as, as family members of Jesus. He uses allegory and analogy and illustrations to help you and I relate to Jesus. Verse one, he says, a child is a minor. Even though you're a child, you're a minor. You're an heir in the home. You're, you, you stand to inherit everything in the house, but you're a minor still. And when you're a minor, you, you, you don't get to make your own decisions. That you're not old enough to decide. You're not old enough. You're not grown enough to make mature decisions. You, you just do what you're told. Paul's talking about the state before the gospel came. You just do what you're told. You, you can't go anywhere on your own. You can't make your own decisions. And Paul says an heir, there's many Christians that live here. An heir is no different than a slave when they're under the law because they're not their own. They're under stewards and guardians, and they live by a list of rules. I talked to you about it last week. It says they're under stewards and guardians until a time appointed by the Father. That was that ceremony. He talks about it in verse 2. He says there's this ceremony that the Father would actually appoint at a specific time. There was a tutor that was assigned to children, even though they were an heir. Even though they were in the family, there was a tutor, and the tutor would walk around and follow them, put them at the kitty table, smack their hand. They had a rod, would smack their legs, and would tell them, sit up, stop, don't, quit, behave, stop, sit up, stop, quit, don't. And those stewards would follow them. When the father felt like they were ready, there was an actual ceremony where they would bring the child before the father. The father would bestow adoption. Even though they were in the family, would bestow adoption onto them and would say, now they're legally of the age to where they have all the rights of sonship. And they would actually put a new garment around them. Paul's talking about that ceremony. He's saying that when we were under law, look at this in verse three, even so, so he talks about this analogy. Verse three says, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. So Paul likens this, this error to before the gospel error. He says pretty much all of mankind was in a state of insufficiency and inadequacy, and we never measured up. 
that, that we were all in this state of, of inadequacy until Christ came. And then until that time came, when Christ came, we were, we were at the kitty table, stop, sit up, don't quit, get, eat your food, clean your plate. Come on, anybody? You, you know what it's like. We were kids. We were, we were toddlers. Come on, it was a year, a year ago, uh, several years ago, one of, one of we, we, we hire like uh, workers from different colleges and stuff for some of our kids area. They're background checked and all that and they love working with kids. And, and so we had some hired in there and I walked into one of the kids rooms and there was a big poster on the wall in, in the toddler room. The poster was like eight things. It said, said don't run. Don't jump. Don't get loud. <laughs> it's like seven don'ts. I walked in. I was like, you might as well say, don't have fun at Jesus' house. I was like, take that. Who put that up on the wall? I was fired up. I'm like, who put that list of don'ts on the wall in there? And they were like, it was the hired girl. It was the hired people. They don't go to church here. You know? <laughs> They go to UT, you know, and I was like, get it off the wall. I was like, listen, we can make a list that says, hey, have strong character, be courageous, be bold, you know, be respectful, be honorable. Let's point positive. We don't need a list of don'ts to train them to be fearful in God's house. We, we need a list of do's. And, and so many of us are still in the list of don'ts when it comes to serving and loving God. And God's going, I'm not putting you at the kitty table any longer. He said, you're in bondage under the elements of the world. He calls it the elements of the world. In Hebrews, he calls it the ABCs of the universe. He recently calls it the elements of the world, the elements of the world. It's the elementary principles of the world. Paul says that when we're under law, that when we're, when we're in this state, we're, we're under the elementary principles of the universe. What is that? It, that is, that is what we're all trained in. Karma. Do, do good, get good. Do, do bad, get bad. Entropy wins. Second law of thermodynamics. Everything begins from a state of order and, and proceeds to a state of chaos. It, 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 that's the elementary principles of the universe. Sometimes we think we weren't trained in them, but we are. Come on, if you've raised kids, you've trained your kids in the elementary principles of the universe. If you do good, you get a treat. If you behave in this store, you get a Snickers bar. Come on, somebody. If you, if you do good, if you do good, you're going to be blessed. If you do good, no, no, no. Paul says that grace goes beyond the elementary principles of the universe. Grace goes beyond do good, get good, do bad, get, get bad. Grace supersedes your behavior. I know some of you don't like it, but it's, it's what the Bible says. It's literally, we get blessed. Listen, I've done it to my kids. You've done it to your kids. We've all done it. We've all, and, and a lot of times we still, we, we've had it done to us. If you, if you behave, if you do good, listen, my kids, it, they are blessed regardless of their behavior. Now they're disciplined when their behavior doesn't line up to, to sonship. I discipline, I care for them. They're not spoiled, but they're blessed. And I don't, I don't bribe them with blessing because they're sons and daughters in my house. They're blessed no matter what. Does that make sense? Some of you are training your children in the elementary principles of the universe in law living. If you behave, then you'll get blessing. If you don't, you won't. That's not how God operates. Come on, we'd have nothing in our life. I'm not saying don't discipline your children. We discipline, God disciplines those he loves, but it doesn't, it doesn't actually relegate the level of blessing that we have. Does that make sense? 
In verse four, he goes on, he says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. When, and here's the translation. When time was right, God sent forth his son and the fullness of time had come. That there was a new era, a new age, a new gospel. Now it's the gospel age. So Paul talks about a whole different age for us. Now there was law, there was legal living, and, and now there's a gospel of grace. And here's, what, here's why you gotta get this. Because, because now there's no levels. What I mean by that is levels always lead to law. So, so in Christianity, there's no ranks, there's just different roles. So, so a lot of times you think there's ranks in Christianity based on rules. So what I mean by that is you'll look at me and go, oh, wow, look how he does. If the pastor did that and he does this and this and this, he must be the super Christian. And how does he hear God? And he must do all these things. And no, 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 no. And, and, then, and if you think, oh, I've got to do those things to get where he is. Or you look at your neighbor and say, look how successful they are. And so now you begin to think you can do certain things to actually level up in rank in the things of God. We like our flesh likes rules. And the reality is grace supersedes that. I think God can bless you overnight. God can bless you today. You don't even deserve it. You can walk out of here and everything can change today. A miracle can happen today. A miracle can be in this moment. God can take you from the pit to the palace overnight. Look at somebody say overnight. It doesn't, there's no levels. Well, if I do this for this many years and I do that, and well, why do they have that? And why do they have that? And how did they get that? Grace supersedes all of that. And you remember the parable? Remember the parable when Jesus showed up and he hires people at eight and at noon and three? And he, and he comes and he, and he makes a contract with the people at eight and says, I'll pay you this for a day's work. They say, all right. He hires some people at noon. He hires some people at three. And the people at three work like a third of the time that the people at 8 a.m. worked. And they work all day. And the master comes to pay. God comes to pay. It's payday. And God divvies out the payment. And he pays everybody the same. The guys at eight o'clock get ticked off. They're like, my God, that is so unfair. They complete. How did you pay them the same thing you paid us? You told, he says, I'm mad at my word. I paid you what I said I'd pay you. Why are you mad that I paid the people at the end more? It's my money. I can bless who I want. Is what God said. The 8 a.m. people were mad that God gave more grace than the contract. And, and a lot of times, if, if you in your own life, legalists, get mad when God supersedes the contract in people's lives. When he gives more than what we think they deserve and when he gives more than what we think they earned. Grace supersedes the contract. And I just want to encourage you, God can bless you today if you'll let him and receive that. He can bless you overnight. Verse four, he says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, listen to this, born of a woman, born under law. He makes three points about Jesus. He says he sent forth his son. He speaks of God's divinity. That this was the son of God, that Jesus came. He is divine, that you cannot work your way to God. You cannot do enough religion as you trying to work your way up a ladder, follow 10 rules and climb a mountain of those commandments. You cannot work your way up to God. Therefore, he sent his son to you. He sent his divine son to you. He came down to us. We could not ascend to him. We couldn't climb up to him. So he says he sent forth his son, his own son, born of a woman, his divinity, his humanity. Born of a woman. Man had to die for man. He was all man with no sin, 
No father's seed, born of a woman. No, no sperm seed, born of a woman. Had the, had, the, had the egg of a woman, but no seed of a man, which meant there was no sin seed that was in Jesus' nature. He was all human, but divinely God with no sin nature. A man had to die for a man. He says he's born of a woman. And now he says about his divinity, his humanity. Then he says, born under law. There's his priority. Jesus' priority was to be born up under the law. To come as a Jew, he could have come any time in history, but he decided to come up under the indictments of the law. He put himself on this planet in a perfect time to come under the Ten Commandments, born under the law, to redeem you and I from the indictments of the law, to rescue us from the indictment of the law. You and I could not measure up to the law. His priority, he was, he was given his, his life to redeem us, to help us, because we couldn't climb out of the pit. He was the only one that was in that pit that never sinned. 33 years, died a blameless life so that we could be rescued. Verse five, to, to redeem those born under the law, to redeem those under the law, to redeem those. Redeem means literally being, being bought back. The law was fulfilled, that Jesus' priority was to, to the foundation of the gospel, to bring us out from under the law, to fulfill the law, not, not to abolish the law, to fulfill the law and to abolish sin, death, and Satan forever. That was his heartbeat for you and I. And then, and then I love what it says here in verse five, that we might receive, here's the pinnacle, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap up here in a few seconds, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Can, can I tell you that you don't earn adoption? And that's the hard thing about the orphan spirit. The orphan spirit's always constantly trying to earn affection and earn approval, earn position, earn favor, earn promotion, fear about tomorrow. It says that we might receive the adoption as sons. I mean, think about the, the, the pinnacle of adoption. I mean, God's heart that we would receive adoption, that we've been adopted as sons and daughters, that, that the only son is Jesus. We're, the rest of us were orphans, and he came that we could receive the adoption of sonship into the family. You've heard me talk about it before. My daughter, I said to her years ago, she was five or six. I said, I choose you, baby girl. She said, you don't choose me. You had me. I was like, you're right. She's like, you stuck with me. I was like, you're right. You stuck with me, you know? The, the thing about God is that he didn't, he, he chose us. Yes. The, the, the adoption, listen, adoption is so beautiful. Adoption is not based on obligation. It's based on choice. Yes. Literally adoption is the highest miracle and the highest pinnacle and the highest privilege of Christianity. You and I've been chosen by almighty God. You're chosen by God. Adopted by God. Think about it. I was praying about it this morning. Adopted. Man, everybody who wants to adopt somebody wants to adopt a perfect little baby. No sin, no problem. Nobody's adopted a seven-year-old crazy kid. That was me. Nobody, you know what I'm saying? They go and they pick them, I guess, and they, they figure out what kid they want to adopt. Everybody's like, oh, watch out for those kids. They've had a, a tough background. That's us. God chose us. God chose the reckless and the, the irredeemable and the the unrespected, God chose us to adopt. Oh, God, thank you for picking me a rebellious, wayward, crazy kid. Didn't want anything to do with you. I was an enemy of yours, and you decided, I want that kid. Go get, get, a, get a home, paint a room, get some toys, change his name. I'm going to call him mine forever. That's who you are as a son or daughter of God. Adoption is based on choice. Man, God chooses you today that you, that you might receive the adoption of sons and daughters that I would receive it. Come on, quit trying to earn it. 
believe God for it. Verse six, and because you are sons, listen to this, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, because you are sons. God doesn't want you to live third hand. God doesn't want you to live second hand from the face of a father. He wants you to live first hand. And so he sent the Holy Spirit into your heart to cry out, Abba, Father, Dad. Why? Why does, why does the Holy Spirit come into our life and why does the Holy Spirit cry that out? Because you know every day the scolds of the enemy and the screams of the law are constantly telling us in our heart that we're not his kids. That we don't measure up and we don't deserve healing and we don't deserve miracles and we don't deserve blessing and we don't deserve it and I can't do it and I'm not as good enough and look at the kid. We're comparing and there's screams and scolds of the law and God said, I sent forth my spirit of my son to out scream the scolds of the law. So that when there's days on days on days that I felt it and you felt it, I laid in bed a few nights ago and I felt it in my own heart. God, I need you. Dad, where are you? Come on, you know there's moments in your life that you can't cry out and you don't feel like he's God. You don't feel like he's dad. And you need the Holy Spirit in you to go, he's your dad. He's good. He's a blesser. I know deep down in my heart, man, I need God to call out to me sometimes and remind me of my sonship and that I can't earn it and I don't deserve it, but he cries out, Abba, Father, on the inside of me. Here's the real role of the Holy Spirit. I love miracles and I love the power of God and I love the gifts of the Spirit and I love callings and anointing, but you know the primary role of the Holy Spirit is to second by second, day by day, moment by moment, remind you of all the repercussions of sonship and daughterhood in your life. And to let you know how valuable you are and everything that you have access to as a son or daughter of God. My, my, my oldest son has a best friend named Harry. And uh, they've known each other since fifth grade. It, they go to Pellissippi together now. And um, Harry lives over across town by the river. And, and they go to Pellissippi over um, in the Hardin Valley campus. And so I came home the other day and I didn't know it, but we've adopted Harry as, as a member of the family. He's always been a member of the family, but now like it's official. Like I, I, I come into my house in the afternoon and there's Harry at my island and, and eating, and, and eating some steaks in the refrigerator. <laughs> and, then, and I was like, I didn't ask any questions. I was like, oh, my wife's enjoying conversation. And there's Harry. My son's not at home. I'm like, where's my son? Harry's here. <laughs> and then, I, and then, and then like the next day I hear noise, like, like, he surprised us. I think it's a burglar. Like, Harry, here comes Harry up the stairs. And I'm like, what's, what's Harry? And then I see him walk out of our basement the other day. And, and then I walk in, and he's asleep on my sofa. And, and then the next day, he's asleep on my, my son's bed. I'm like, what is, what is happening? My wife's like, I gave Harry a key. He's got a key now. <laughs> like, I just thought we'd give Harry a key. I'm like, that's awesome. You know, you got to be careful when Harry comes around. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, it's my day off. I'm like, I'll be, I could be walking around the house in my underwear or something. Like, I got to be careful. He's adopted now. It's because he has a, a, a lag in his classes. And so he's got about two hours between classes. And so he's decided that our house is the pit stop between classes to come and eat and snack and sleep. I'm like, this makes sense. And do, you, do you know Harry has access to our house because of his close relationship with my son? Do you know Harry's been adopted because of his, his relationship with my son? You know, Harry has keys to my house because of how well he knows my son. 
Do you know that we've adopted him into our family because, because he's close with my son? My son has other friends, but they're not, they don't have keys to our house. He's close with my son. Do you know that you have access to all of the father's house? You know, you have access to all of God's blessings, to all of God's benefits because of how close you are with the son. And the Holy Spirit cries out in your heart today. And I pray to God when you leave here, some of you dads, all you've known is your father being pleased with you when you kept all the rules and were doing good. And some of you pass that on to your children and all that you are, you're only happy when they're, ple- when they're doing well and they're behaving and doing all the right things. That's law living. We all operate in end times and God's just saying, no, you have access to all of me. You're a son. You're not at the kiddie table any longer. That you're accepted as a son or daughter of God. That you have access into the conversations of God. You have freedom into the life that God has for you. That you don't have an orphan spirit in your life any longer. I want to pray for those two things today. Some of you feel like you're at the kiddie table and you don't deserve to be at the big, big God table with God. God says he sets a table for you in the middle of your enemies. All hell can be breaking out. And God says, I got a seat for you to sit down and enjoy life. And then some of you are fighting the orphan spirit. I'm talking about it today. Some of you day in and day out don't feel approved. Don't feel accepted. You don't feel welcomed. You in, deep in your heart, you went through law living your whole life and you were only measured up when you were doing well or winning trophies or behaving right. If you do this, you'll get a treat. And the reality is that's not how God operates. So there's this spirit in you. I have two missionary friends that adopted babies in another foreign nation. They were orphans. They were in their, They weren't babies. They were in their young, young elementary ages. Orphans who had to fend for themselves adopted them. My friends had adopted them several months in. They had been in their home. They started seeing food go missing. They started seeing toiletries missing in the house. Started finding towels missing. And they began to go into the room and kind of inspect and figure out what was going on. And these two young children that they loved and were, had access to all of their home. They were, they were fearful and they had been orphans for so long and fought for food and fended for themselves and protected themselves. They were piling the food up and hiding the toiletries and the shampoo in their room because they didn't think they were going to get any more. They thought it might, might be, not be real the next day. And I'll be honest with you, there's times I've lived like that in my life when it comes to God. There's times you live like that. And there's times most of the pain I've caused people is because of an orphan spirit in my own life. Most of the defensiveness and the, and the rejection and the pain and the, and the, and the prove it and the make someone earn it is because I had that in my own heart and that own spirit in my life. And I just want to pray today that you would receive the adoption as sons and daughters and you wouldn't have to fend for yourself, fight for yourself, promote yourself, hoard the food. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging bread. Forget not the Lord and all of his benefits. He heals all of your diseases and, and forgives all of your iniquities. He redeems your life from the pit and pulls you out of destruction, renews you as the youth like an eagle. Come on. That's our God. Oh, you're such a good father. I just pray, Lord, we've seen you wrong so many times because we've got daddy issues and mama issues and law issues. And Paul said that we would just receive the adoption as sons and daughters. I pray today, God, that we'd leave here and we could just call you dad. Dad. That you're not like the earthly dads we had. If our earthly dads know how to give good gifts, how much more would our heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask and the the power of God to those that ask. And I pray today for those online and those in the room that maybe have been fighting an orphan spirit, living at the kiddie table. 
feeling like they don't measure up. Listen, no one looking around, just real quick. You say, Pastor, I don't, I, I've, been, I've fought the orphan spirit in my life. I need, I need to know adoption fully today. I want all in. Would you just put your hand up to me? Anybody in here? If you're online, just type in. I'm all in. Come on, thank you for your boldness and honesty. I receive adoption as sons and daughters today. Maybe you're a Christian, you're an heir, but you know you've been living under this legalistic list of rules and you feel like you don't measure up. Let me just say it that way. Maybe you're in here and you feel like you don't measure up. Would you just put your hand up to me? I'm gonna pray for you. No one looking around. I'm not gonna embarrass you. Thank you for your boldness and honesty. Come on, hands all across the room. Just feel like I don't measure up, that God's disappointed at times. I'm here to tell you the opposite. He's madly in love with you. He's not mad at you. He sent his son Jesus to pay the total price cross the universe and give us life send his son to reach us father thank you for sending your son today i pray for anybody that's been battling an orphan spirit anybody that's been feeling like they got to take the food and hide the toiletries and hoard up for themselves and climb the ladder pull themselves up by the bootstraps fight in that curse of the garden sweat of their brow and the toil of their hands god i pray that the that the garden Living, the new living in the gospel era would be different for us. It'd make a difference. People would see it. How come you can walk like that in this chaos of a world? Because I'm under the blessing of my Father. I pray for your blessing today to permeate. As far as any curse may be found, God, I pray for the blessing of your gospel, the good news to permeate deep into our souls. Anyone battling this Spirit of inferiority and inadequacy, God, I pray you'd conquer that today. Holy Spirit, cry out loudly against the screams and scolds of the enemy. If you're in this place and you say, you know what, Pastor? I don't think I'm a Christian. I need to give my life to God. If you're online watching, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. It's not about going to church or fixing all the rules and obeying everything perfect. It's about surrendering your life to Jesus. That he died for you on a cross. He took all your sin, shame, guilt, everything, nailed it to a tree, rose from the dead to give you a brand new fresh start with God, to give you a brand new heart, to, to adopt you into his family. If you know you're not in the family today or you need to come back into relationship with God, no one looking around, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to slip your hand up in a second. If you say, Pastor, I need a fresh start with God. If you're online, just type in right now. I need a fresh start with God. Pray for me. I need a fresh start with God. If you're in this room, no one looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you or bring you forward. Just put your hand up to me right now. I need pastor pray for me. I need a fresh start with God today. I need to give my life to Christ. Raise it up high so I can pray for you. I need a fresh start with Jesus this morning. I give my life to him. God bless you, sir. Just give you a second. Anybody else? I need a fresh start. Awesome. I'm going to pray a simple prayer with us. and You can just pray this prayer with me. It's just a prayer of surrender. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying for me on that cross. Thank you for taking all my sin, past, present, and future. Taking all my shame and guilt, nailing it to that tree. I repent for my sins and that way of life. I turn from that and I turn to you today. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you're God. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me a brand new heart. I believe I'm adopted into your family today. I'll serve you the rest of my life. In Jesus' matchless name. Come on, let's give God praise this morning. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.